welcome back into Mining Stock Daily, everybody. Trevor Hall, your host here with a actually a corporate introduction, the new company uh, that I've actually been uh, following from afar here. It's a private company, uh, one that I've uh, have become, been a shareholder of through the deal where kind of found its formation uh, a few months ago. So it's happy to stumble upon um, the company here at the Core Shack at the AME Roundup Conference and asked CEO Mr. Tim Barry to come sit down at the booth here with me uh, to provide his corporate introduction notes. Uh, the company's name is Aris Minerals, a big porphyry project type of company in a very interesting and actually timely jurisdiction of Kazakhstan. Uh, so Tim, welcome to the podcast, first thing. Thanks a lot, thanks for having me. Uh, so let's, so th- it's it's interesting story, we gotta start from the beginning here. Aris was a spinoff from Silver Bull Resources. Uh, that's how I became a shareholder. Uh, so can of walk us through the development of this company and how it all came to be? Sure. So Aris is, is truly a, a child of the COVID pandemic. We, uh, Silver Bull's got a project in northern Mexico. Uh, unfortunately, it's under a, an illegal blockade. We're a group of locals who own a royalty uh, and we've, we've always said we, we'll pay them the royalty when the mine goes into production. Uh, they've come to us and said, well, we want the royalty to be paid uh, in advance. We said, well, royalties don't work like that. So they, they blockaded Silver Bull, and that, that's a process that's been going for, for a couple of years now. And that's prompted me to go out and looking for other opportunities or other projects. And when COVID hit, we actually had time to, to, to actually look for these new opportunities. So I, um, uh, first of all, went to the bankers and brokers and very quickly figured out if a project comes to me from, from those sources, I've got so many, uh, so much hair and warts on it, nobody else wanted to touch it. Mm-hmm. So I went to door number two and found uh, prospectors, dirty old geologists on the ground, uh, people like that, and started to get a very interesting trap line of projects coming my way. And a good friend of mine had worked in Kazakhstan, and he said, well, look, there's this great project in Kazakhstan. You should take a look at it. Uh, you know, it's uh, the company that owns it uh, is a private Swiss group. If you can do a deal with them, uh, I think it would be a winner. So we took a deep dive into Kazakhstan, and unbeknownst to everyone, uh, Kazakhstan had actually been taking some very positive steps to, to reform their mining industry, starting with a complete new mining law uh, similar to that of Western Australia, mm. and no one knew about it. So I met with the, the, the private Swiss group, we managed to strike a deal, and entered Kazakhstan at the start of 2021. This is the Biskaga? That's is right. It, is that how you pronounce it, Biskaga? Yeah. Um, very interesting, this comes with a resource. It does. It does. So, and not just a little resource. No, it's. It, I, I tell people uh, it, it's a good start. There's there's over a hundred holes into the project, uh, equating to about forty six thousand meters, and it's all focused on one part of the porphyry system uh, that has been well drilled with with the extensions of it uh, not having been drilled at all. 
So we're looking at right now, we did a 43101 in early 2021, which equated to roughly uh, 4 million ounces of gold and 700,000 tonnes of contained copper. And what I like about that is that's where we start. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you broke it down, 2.3 million ounces of gold, 476,000 tonnes of copper indicated. One and a half million ounces gold, 215,000 tons copper inferred. Correct. Um, so that's a good start with the porphyry because we all know it takes a lot of drilling to get to that certain resource estimate with the porphyries. Now you're looking to, to go even further. Um, currently sitting as a private company, so give us the prospects in the market of where you may be landing with uh, going public and what you would do to raise more capital to get more drilling going. So... Right now we, we are uh, private, um, we've, we've done a couple of rounds of private financing to, to, to get the story up and running and we decided uh, initially the project was Insolvable, which is the company that has the Mexican asset, mm -hmm. uh, however it, it really didn't make much sense to the market to, to have something in Central Asia and, and something in, in Mexico. So we made the decision to spin Aris out uh, and it, it became a, obviously a private independent entity unto itself. So we've been financing the, the company up till now privately. Uh, Silver Bull's doing its thing, Aris is, is doing its thing. Incidentally, the name Aris uh, is, is a Turkish name and it refers to a, a fine tapestry concealing a, uh, an alcove of riches, <laughs> which uh, I think is actually a pretty good uh, analogy to what we're starting to see at, uh, at Biscoga. Because the thing about Biscoga and why uh, it exists as an opportunity is it's completely covered. The, the terrain, we're, we're out on the steppe, it's as flat as a pancake. Uh, we've got roughly 30 to 40 metres of unconsolidated soil and river gravels over the top but just the fact that none of it sticks out of the ground has, has meant it, it's just not been explored right right and so you know uh that's the tapestry covering the alcove of riches right so you have been drilling in fact you put out news this morning so and this is important to know because a lot of people when, when, the pri when companies are private it's easy to miss this type of drill hit so here it was, 973 meters at 0.82% copper equivalent. That included 531 meters of 1.14% copper equivalent. That's a, that's a hell of a damn hole. Yeah, I know, it's, it's great. Um, and, and just to flesh that out a little bit more, so the, the 531 meters uh, reflects what, what's a very high-grade core to the system. It's kind of two to three hundred metres wide, um, got a steep dip to the southeast, and the drill hole starts in that and drills down it until you get to that 530 metre part, and then it starts drilling out of it into the lower grade halo. So, uh, you know, we think that high grade core continues at depth, and uh, we've got some pretty good evidence to suggest that. And so the next step is, is, is to chase that at depth and, and ask the very simple question, where, where does it come from? What's controlling it? So this was a brand new hole. I mean, this wasn't one that you had to go back and that had been done by a previous 
explorer at all. This is brand new. Yep, brand brand new. Um, I think uh, you know. Obviously, we do have historical data, but nothing nothing had drilled deep enough. For for some reason, a lot of the the historical drilling stopped at around kind of 350 to 400 meters. So. You know, it, it made sense to, to drive this one deep and we're in mineralisation the whole way. And I guess it, it is important to note that we, we ended in mineralisation and it was because the drill uh, got stuck and, and couldn't keep going. So you would have kept going if you could? Absolutely. Wow. So maybe a kilometre long hole if not further? Yep. What's no. the, how, much, how much does it cost to drill in Kazakhstan? Well, this, this is the other great thing about Kazakhstan is that the bang for the buck is, is unbelievable. So we're, we're drilling at $85 a metre. Wow. And, and when I say $85 a metre, uh, there's no standby time. There's no consumable costs. It's just a straight metre rate. Hmm. Uh, I guess it's the, the most unique drill contract I've, I've ever come across in my career. But it, it makes the calculation for your drill costs pretty simple. Yeah. Um, 30,000 meters of drilling is planned. You, that's after you raised 15 million. Is that, is that right? Yeah, we've, we've just closed a $10 million Canadian financing. Um, again, that, that was private. And then prior to that, we, we had raised uh, 5 million to get ourselves set up in the country. Okay, very good. Um, what about pub, going public? What's the, what's the time frame look like? Well, it, it's certainly something we're, we're obviously very, very interested in looking at. Um, but I guess the, the actual announcement of that, we'll, we'll sort of have to wait and see as, as exactly when something like that may happen. Okay. <laughs> I, You're I, punting. I, You're punting. I, I, I need to be a little bit vague there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. So what... Well, what obviously being private comes with its benefits. You don't have, you know, the equity bureaucracy that comes with a public company. So, like, you know, can you give us a little bit of kind of direction of like how long you would keep this thing private? Well, I I think uh, the the investors who have come in uh, uh, are all well known mining guys. They they know the business. Um, and then, and then, of course, all the silver bull shareholders have come along with, with the, the, the story as well. That's, just, that's where I came in. Yeah. So, so I think, you know, for, for a junior explorer, it, it does make sense to go public. And, and if, if we were to consider that, we'd be, we'd be looking at probably the first half of this year if, if we were to pull the trigger today to, oh. to do something like that. Okay. Very interesting. Uh, so... We, we, we got to talk about the elephant in the room, and that is the geopolitics of Kazakhstan. I mean, this has been... Well, I mean, the story isn't ongoing because it's been pretty quiet the last couple of weeks, but it was very heated there for a while, um, not too long ago. Talk to us about the implications of what happened in Kazakhstan and what does it mean for the resource industry there? Yeah, so it, it certainly got quite frisky there for the, the, the start of this year so the the story is as I understand it and and we do have pretty good intel on on how things went down was that the price of gas got raised in Kazakhstan something close to 400 percent and so when when I say gas what it really means is LPG 
which 90% of Kazakhs run their cars on. And so, you know, I think I, I might have taken to the street if a 400% increase uh, had, had hit me at the pump as well. Mm-hmm. However, what it looks like is some nefarious uh, actors saw that as an opportunity to, to take a run at, at maybe uh, toppling the current government. So that's what, what a lot of the, the, the violence in, in Almaty was about, was this, this group uh, tried to take over the airport, tried to take over the main communication hubs, which is clearly not what a rabble uh, complaining about increased gas prices would do. However, fortunately, uh, the, the, the current president, Tokayev, um, uh, instilled or instituted a, a community uh, uh, safety, or what, what's the term, security pact with local com- countries, and that uh, the, the arrival of those troops, independent of, of Kazakh troops, uh, really calmed the situation down, and the government now has has really got a grip on on the whole whole situation. There was a little bit of like threaten of fire and fury Russian style. There there, there was there was, and I, I can tell you, um, uh, having Russian troops come in is usually not a good thing. Uh, but in this particular case, I I think it, it was it was definitely the right call because as as the as the riots were happening, I think the government at the time didn't know if they could trust their military or not. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, then the Russians have, have a real interest in having a stable Kazakhstan on their southern border. Um, it, it's the largest border Russia has with any country. And, you know, Kazakhstan is turning into a, a regional powerhouse economically. And that, that's only good things for Russia. Right. Well, I mean, Kazakhstan also is well known for its resource development. Obviously, uh, largest uranium producer in the world, Kazimprom. Uh, also, big oil producer as well. So, um, but when it comes to the the metals complex, I mean, there is a lot of mining and exploration in the country, but it just doesn't go as uh, it's not as recognized as those other two. Yeah, well, you know, firstly, Kazakhstan is a huge country. It's the ninth largest country in the world. And the, the, the prospectivity of it is, is just immense. A lot of people don't know it's the 10th largest copper producer in the world. Hmm. I think it's number three or four in chromite. Um, you know, and, and I'd say that it's only just scratching the surface. Uh, that The country has an incredible geological data set from the, the Soviet times in the 60s and 70s. But a lot of this hasn't been followed up. So to give you an example, we just staked a mineral license that had intercepts of 100 plus metres at, at over a gram gold starting at surface. And that was all based on ex-Soviet drilling where you know, in 1970 a gram gold was, was leverite. And uh, today, that's, uh, that's obviously something very different. And those kind of opportunities right now exist all over the country. That's, I, I, I liken it as being the first to walk into Nevada in, in the 1960s. Right, right. I mean, there, it's a lot of that Central Asia part of the world is vastly underexplored. 
Kazakhstan, obviously, is what you're describing is that way. I mean, we've done interviews here about Afghanistan after the U.S. withdrawal we were talking about. Just the challenges of even exploring in a country like Afghanistan. So we need to rehash that conversation. But I do just want to, we got to point out, like, of the events of this past month in Kazakhstan, but hasn't that had negative implications as a jurisdictional risk now for resource development? Yeah, I'd, I'd say in the short term it has. Um, however, two two things I'll, I'll say are, are counter to that is Kazakhstan has been working on trying to get their exploration business up and running now for for, for three years, and and that started with the revision of their mining law uh, in in 2018, and unfortunately. COVID hit and no one could get into the country so everything got frozen for for a couple of years. Now post this this riot uh, I would say two positive things have happened as there's been a complete clearing of the house of a lot of the old guard so if you if you smelt like you you have connections to the old system uh, you're gone. Uh, there's been something like 9,000 arrests following this, uh, this riot. Mm. And what's replacing that is a lot of very enlightened, Western-educated Kazakhs. The country is not short of talent and, and educated people. And I think a lot of these people uh, are of the opinion that it's now time to get the country up and running. So, so we've, we've had a complete switching of the old guard and what's resulted in in the last two weeks we've been issued four mineral licenses that we've been waiting uh, three months to get. Uh, We've been issued a a transfer of of the company into Aris's name, a local subsidiary, uh, which we've been waiting four months to get. And you know uh, at this conference the Kazakh ambassador has offered to jump on a plane and fly out here and meet with investors to answer any questions related to Kazakh's direction. Hmm. I, I don't know of another country or another ambassador that, that would do that, quite frankly. That they're taking the mining industry very, very seriously. And I think they see the writing on the wall for oil, oil and gas, yeah. and they want to get their, their solid mineral sector up and running. Uh, this story is going to continue to evolve and show. And where can people follow the company and get updates, um, you know, from exploration work as this continues to progress through another, you know, <laughs> twenty-five thousand meters? Sure, sure. So we've got a website, uh, uh, Aris ArisMinerals.com, um, and then I think uh, we'll subscribe on on that website, and you'll get all the. The, the latest news releases. Uh, you will see uh, a big marketing push for Aris uh, really kick in in the next couple of months. And uh, the other way I think that, that we're finding quite effective is track me down on, on LinkedIn and, and let me know. And we're, we're using LinkedIn as a, as a good source of news release as well. Yeah. Uh, we've seen a lot of big hits in copper porphyry exploration. Philo's done really well. Solaris Minerals has done really well. Uh, and you know this because you put, it, you put those hits into your presentation, actually, which I'm holding. And this latest hit that you published this morning is right up there with it. So. Yeah, yeah no, no question. And, 
you know, to, to put that in perspective, those companies, Solaris is over 1.4 billion in market cap. Um, Philo is, is, I think, close to that as well. Um, and based on our last financing, we, we have a market cap of about 50 million. So I think there's lots of room to grow here. Yeah. All right. That is Mr. Tim Barry, CEO of Aris Minerals, a private company doing copper gold exploration in Kazakhstan. This has been a really interesting interview, and I'm glad we were able to connect and share it. it was actually, I, I didn't know you were going to be here. It was a pleasant surprise. So, uh, Tim, thanks for joining us. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.